Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You are now listening to the hottest true crime podcast in the streets. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Affirmative Murder, the Equal Opportunity True Crime Comedy Podcast. I'm Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. Oh, yes, wait a minute, Mr. Postman. Yeah, man, I'm the mailman. Can't you tell, man? Gonna post it. What up, Fran? What is going on? Not much, man. One week from today, I'll be big three zero. <sighs> Yeah, man. Keep it up one time. How <laughs> yeah. you feeling about that, man? Um, I still got one year to go. I'm a baby. Yeah, I don't know, man. I'm. I feel like I'm starting to get a little emotional a little bit. Oh, oh, please, oh, exp- be- expound on that. Be- I don't know because, like, because the twenties are over. Thirty, does thirty feel like adult to you? Like, yeah, is that man. okay? It's like a like a new chapter is about to uh, begin for sure. New decade. Um, yeah, yes. Yeah, I don't know, man. I haven't really. I've been thinking about it, but it's just been like, I don't know, man. Man, well, it's, the thing it's, is, it's, it's a little scary for some reason. Yeah, but like you have children, so I feel like that's way scarier than any age because like yeah. they actively get bigger in front of your face, yeah, and that's true. like it's like they suck the life out of you, children. Yeah, and that's a weird way to look at it, and I'm that, that they're beautiful and all that stuff. But yeah. like as they get bigger, you get weaker and older <laughs> and more feeble, and like you know all this stuff. So yeah. you have like a visual representation of your age in front of your face. Yeah, where me, I mean, I'll be thirty next year, but I don't have any children, so it's almost like. 30 to 20 like how jay-z says i still feel that way because i don't have anything in front of my face to go like oh yeah like you're getting older yeah you know 
I mean, except for I ruptured my Achilles, but I wasn't 30 when I did that. That was a very youthful age. I was like 28. <laughs> you know, I was a young, spry 28-year-old yeah. and blew my leg out. Yeah. So that was a reminder for me. But 30 is just like, yeah, I'm 30 now. I don't know, man. On my end. Yeah. I don't know. It's uh, It just feels weird. I'm not. I'm not in my twenties anymore. I'm about to be thirty years old. Twenty uh, money. Yeah, I guess. I mean, what you wait till you hit thirty? Yeah, that's very true. Way. I'm still next very youthful, you spry, twenty nine yeah. year old boy. Yeah, yeah. Next year, I'll probably be in the same boat as you. But we will be in Vegas. So I'll be very much distracted for my 30th birthday. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right, yeah. I don't right, even right, realize right, I'm 30 right, right, until right. May the 3rd. Yeah. When the, the haze is off <laughs> me from all the champagne. Yeah. And what all the other stereotypes oh, that yeah, people it, think it about being. Oh, yes. It would be nice. It would be nice if that happened. Yeah. But yeah, so hopefully those distractions keep me from spiraling into a depression, much like you seem to be going through <laughs> right now. But, you know, that's that's beautiful and everything like that. Other yeah. than that, how's life, man? How you, how's, how's things going? How are you feeling, man? I'm feeling, I'm feeling great. I feel Better now than I have been like the last like two years, That's crazy. <laughs> especially over the last year because with the COVID nineteen, yeah, all that rough stuff, time. It was, it was work was crazy, but now again I'm at a new station. I'm not working as much. I got more time off, so I feel more rested. I actually go back. Um, I have like a circuit where I have to do with some of my uh, my postal carrier um, listeners. On the they place. out there. They know. They know I'm the a, lingo you're yeah, talking. Yeah, go I'm ahead and talk I'm, that talk. Yeah, man. I'm a T six. So a T six. I do oh, talking big I boy do, talk. <laughs> talk that shit. Uh -huh. I do uh, uh I do a different route every day. Uh huh. So I got like four routes, and then one of my routes I go I go to I have to go back to my old station. Oh, you you can oh you have to come through looking clean yeah, yeah, and yeah, fuck I go, through, and they, I go back and they go they're like hey because I ain't been there in a couple weeks. Yeah, living fat off the land, and looking go, like a and, king. And, yeah, and they go uh hey man you look well well, well rested. I was like. <laughs> <laughs> what can I say, man? <laughs> that's all you can do. So I, so I walk in with my, uh, I got my Dunkin' Donuts drink. Yeah, I'm drinking. You know, I'm going in there. Yeah, I'm in here, but I'm gonna get here. I'm grabbing this. I'm gonna grab this overtime from y'all, uh -huh. and, and then, then I'm, I'm gone. I won't see y'all for another yeah. week. And then some old black man is like, "I'm trying to get like you," and then you're like, "No, I'm yeah. trying to get like you." Yeah. And then you guys do that for like five minutes. Yeah, that's always fun. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I like elder <laughs> black dudes. Be you know recognizing your shine. Yeah, and then they say something that's like, "No, nah, man, I'm just trying to catch I'm up." Trying, yeah, I'm trying to get like you. You know, that's always a fun exchange. So I'm. Happy that you get to. That's like know. a black person's compliment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like I see you. I'm, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get money like you got right, money. It's yeah, like, no, yeah. no. I'm trying to get money like you got money. Yeah. And then that happens a couple more times, and then eventually it just dissipates, and you yeah, both yeah. walk away from each other. Yep. Yeah, black love, man. It's fantastic. But um, <laughs> yeah, man. Life's life's good for me. I got some stuff I want to talk about. But I'll wait till the end of the podcast to do it. Um, you said you wanted to talk about something, right? Did you, oh did you? yeah, I seen. I don't know. Um. Because like sometimes I said, I'm, news continues to be yeah. crazy, so I don't. There's nothing specific I even want to get into. Yeah. So yeah, sometimes you, I'm just on Instagram and shit just pop up. I mm -hmm. go and I go, let it fly. I just, just reading. I, and this this article had me hot. I was hot when I read this. Go for it. So what happened was a teenage boy he climbed into a house to, into a home in Zachary, Louisiana, mm -hmm. to visit a girl. Right. Yeah. So an investigation under went un, is underway into what led to an exchange of gunfire between the unnamed 17 year old. Because obviously they're not going to tell us information because he's Underage. Mm -hmm. uh, and 17-year-old suspect and Desmond Jerome Hamilton, who is 34 years old. Okay. Zachary Police Chief David McDavid. Crazy name. David McDavid. <laughs> Mr. Hamilton, a well-known local businessman, died in his living room, and the teenager was left injured after shots were fired. So Mr. Hamilton was alerted to the boy in his home by a neighbor who saw him going up to the window with a ladder um, this is see, not Dawson's Creek, man. You yep. can't just climb into people's windows with ladders. Yeah, to see Mrs. Hamilton's daughter. Um, so it's, it's believed that his daughter who let him in through the second story uh, window after he climbed up using the ladder. Uh huh. 
So the boy was caught hiding in the closet. Mr. Hamilton took him downstairs to speak with him. About 25, 25 minutes later, the boy and Mr. Hamilton shot at each other. So they both had guns. They both had guns. Based on, so he must have had a gun just to protect them because this, this possibly could have happened because it did. Uh-huh. And he's protecting his house and his daughter, so that's why he has a gun. Yes. Yeah. Obviously. So based on what we saw, based on the information and the evidence, we suspect the juvenile shot first. Mr. Mc, Mr. McDavid said nothing that Mr. Hamilton had weapon. No, noting that Mr. Mr. Hamilton had weapons in his home. In, so, his, in his home. Yeah, in his home. So police had been unable to speak to the suspect because he had gone into surgery and was unconscious. He was still in the hospital as of Thursday afternoon. So Mr. McDavid said that upon his release, the team would, would be arrested and charged with second-degree murder, illegal use of a firearm, possession of a stolen firearm. Mm. He is expected to be charged in juvenile court. So this... I actually this, did hear about this. There was debates happening on Twitter, but go oh, ahead. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So this little girl... Okay, I see sneaking, the stance you're about to take. Sneaking okay. guys into the room. Sure. No, she's not supposed to. And she was, and she, I think she was like 14. And he's this dude's like 17. I mean, they're both teenagers, but still. Okay. Um. So he comes in or whatever, sneaks into the room, knowing she's not supposed to be doing it. Obviously, he has a gun for his protection because this could possibly happen, and it did happen. And then the father finds out because the neighbors see him climbing up to the window. Uh huh. Takes the kid, talk to him. Probably talk to him with some bass in his voice. Absolutely. Some maybe some grabbing. Yeah. And know. then kid probably got scared or whatever. And was like, you know, I gotta I don't wanna be I don't wanna be caught in this and I don't know what this guy's this guy's gonna do. Sure. I, I guess he see I guess I don't know, his the dad could have had guns hanging. I don't know, he could have yeah. had a gun case or something or whatever. So he shot his he shot his gun first. Gunfight. Gunfight mm-hmm. happened. This little girl a lot well, of the te- a gunfight happening tells me that the dad had a gun on him. He had it in his hand. Oh, okay. For yeah, intimidation, yeah. probably. Sure, yeah, I, right. I would do the same thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah. what a lot of things what I saw was this girl's going to have to live with that for the rest of her life. Sure. So he was saying that, you know, it, it was her fault. Um, I wouldn't say that, but I, I can agree with it a little bit. I don't agree with that at all. I mean, like, I don't know the circumstances of who this boy is, yeah. if he's a troublemaker, if she's if this is a bad boy type of thing. The dad said don't bring him to the house anymore, and that's why he's sneaking in the house, and that's why he brought a gun because maybe they've been he's been threatened by this dad before. But either way, I don't like this new I'm almost 30 energy that you have yeah. where you act like you never snuck into a girl's room before and and uh you know, that kind of stuff. So this like Oh, he she knows that boys aren't supposed to be in her room. Like, come mm. on, bro. We've been in plenty of rooms we're not supposed to be in. Okay. You know, so I, I didn't you know, get caught. <laughs> I have no argument against that one, right? I know you don't. But but my point is, I don't think she's at fault at other anything other than like a teenage girl level. Now this happened to end in her father being dead, but yeah, like but that's the this whole is point. like a this is like a this is a a groundable offense in any other world. This doesn't make the world news. Yeah, if a but, girl got caught sneaking a boy into her room. But if this doesn't happen, she doesn't then, have to wear some kind of scarlet letter. Yeah, for the but rest if this doesn't life. happen, her father will still be alive. Yeah, sure. But like, so how, how is this not, how is this not, does it have anything to do with her? How is it not her fault? How doesn't her, she play a big part in this? How does she not play a big part in this? Yeah. How was she supposed to know that it was going to go down that way? I'm not saying she's not culpable in any way because she broke the rules of her house or whatever, but like it's not—it's not like she brought the guy over and was like, "Kill my dad." Yeah, but she she did something she's not supposed to be doing, though. Sure, okay. we all do that. Oh, I but we uh, all have done that, and and depending on how it goes, is what happens after it, and something. Yeah, but like she happened. didn't shoot her dad. I get that, but she let the she let the the the, the guy in though. She okay, let the, sneak the guy in, in in the house. Okay, so on our Patreon, we did a video where we talked about going to Pittsburgh without telling our yeah. parents and everything like that 
If in Pittsburgh we stopped at a gas station okay. and I got shot and I got killed, is it your fault that we went to Pittsburgh for a concert and somebody robbed a gas station and I got killed? Is that your fault? If it's the other way around, it's, it's your fault. If you drove and was like, hey, let's go to Pittsburgh. Oh, so because it's my idea to go yeah. and then you get hurt in some kind of way or we get in an accident. Yeah. Your mom probably would have blamed it on you. For sure. No way. Absolutely. No, that you died, that yes. would be on me. I have to wear that for the rest of yes. my life. No, no I just. She'd hold that. me down. She would hold you down. She'd hold me down. She'd be like, yes, absolutely, my no, I mean, I, I'm not, I don't, dis I think your parents obviously would feel that way, but like, yeah. I don't think that the world should feel like, well, you did A, and in between getting to C, B happened, and it's, it was this unforeseeable thing that nobody planned to happen, so it's your fault. Oh, no, man. If she would have just had that boy over and they would have hooked up and whatever, and then he went home, nobody well, wouldn't have known. Okay, so like, so, but because, but because he got caught and then her, fa her father takes him downstairs and whatever happens between them happens, it's her fault? I think she has something to do with it. But what do you I mean? We're I, not, but watch how you say that though. I, I, I you don't think mean, she I don't, has I don't some blame I don't mean it was in plot. it? Yeah, I don't mean it was like a plot of thing. You think I'm she has at some fault in it? Yes. Okay. Well, people can feel how they feel, but I don't, I don't know. You, then you said big part, you know? So I'm not saying she's like not at fault at well, all. Well, I'm not. I'm not saying because that she did sneak a boy into her house through a ladder or whatever, yeah. right? But like, I don't know, man. I don't think that this girl should be. There should be no like charges pressed against her or anything like that. If you want to talk about the court of public opinion, which is she, that's what she's in right now. Yeah, people that's can exactly feel. What I'm talking people about. can feel how they want to feel, yeah. but like, I don't think that she's uh, at fault in, in anything other than like people emotionally feeling some kind of way. Like well, she, I don't think I don't, I'm not saying like that she betrayed her I'm dad not, or something. I'm not saying that she's going to get, she should get charged for it. I'm not saying that. I'm you saying just think she, she has to bear some response. I'm sure she feels yes. that way. I don't think she needs the world to tell her yes. that. I'm sure she, her dad's dead. Yeah. You know? So I just, I and just she should, if I'm the father, I will hunt you for the rest of my life. You would haunt her. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. If I don't believe in ghosts, but yeah, if I told you not to bring him yep. to my house, if I could turn, if I, if we turn into ghosts, yeah. Oh, Sorry, but Sophie. also maybe like you know i don't i don't mean to victim blame you know but there was a shootout so i don't know what you even call i mean a victim somebody died but like maybe we need to have a conversation about toxic masculinity and why this dad I, listen i understand that you why well, is you want to with a gun I, I don't know anything about louisiana or the neighborhoods that this kid lives in there's oh, all yeah. kind of kids i mean we you listen to so much chicago rap music and you're why are you wondering why a 17 year old kid has a gun you did a whole story about a kid who yeah. was like 13 years old, but murdered. Saying, but, uh, I guess. He killed like a Louisiana legend yeah. in Magnolia. Yeah. But, you know, so I don't know anything about Louisiana, but I'm sure he had a gun on him because it's hot in these streets, right? But my point is, why does this dad Dang. feel like he needs to threaten or hold a gun to these these kids who well, my daughter oh, and all yeah, that well, whole thing well, you don't have kids so i don't have kids don't have but kids. like at some but point sophia is going to be old enough to date a boy you don't have to do the bad boys two speech where you have me and come that's over exactly and what i was about to bring up that's what that's exactly what we would do come on man that, that's but that's corny bro yeah but you you don't have kids I, though i don't have kids and so you, maybe i'm speaking out of my lane but it it's not about it's less about the kids and it's more about this mentality that like Oh, like I see videos where, you know, uh, kids are going to prom and the dad is like, oh, let's take a picture of me holding my shotgun where it's like, oh, you better have her home by 1030 or, you know, yeah. what this insinuates. Yep. Come on, man. That's an old played out mentality, bro. That's like that's corny. Like have a, have a conversation with the kid. Let him know, you know, I love my daughter. If you if anything happens to my daughter, there's going to be a problem. But this idea that like weapons need to be brought out and sat on my lap, me with my hand, my gun on my gun on my lap mm -hmm. without my finger on the trigger, just saying like, hey, listen, mm -hmm. you know, 
uh, bad things happen to people who mess with my family. Yeah. Like these like weird, obscure threats and this whole like, I'm a man, so I need to threaten you and all this type of stuff. It doesn't need to go down that way. And this is an instance where it went down the wrong way. Yeah. Well. I mean, it's not like he shot the guy and then the guy crawled and got a gun. The guy clearly already had a gun, was probably doing that whole thing about, you know, uh, I told you what would happen if I found you in my house again. Yeah. And this kid felt like he was about to get drawn down on, so he pulled his gun out in a gunfight ensued. Yeah, that's what I said. But but like but I'm saying the the impetus of the argument was this idea that like and I understand it's his house is his daughter I get all that but I'm just saying like this idea that's like I'm gonna pull you downstairs get my gun out <laughs> and really let you know that if I see you around here again I'm gonna murder you yeah like I just think that's an old played out mentality but again I don't have kids so yeah. you go ahead and take it that's, you go ahead and that's, say what you're gonna say you know um for me Sophie is my princess so I was like of course if um. We're not talking about somebody hurting her. We're just talking about a guy coming to take her out for ice cream. But but the thing is, is like I'm showing you that you will not hurt her. I, I'm 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 showing. But you, you don't have to have a gun to do that, bro. You can, but it's it's it's, intimid- it's intimidation. <laughs> but you're saying that look, if she comes home hurt, harmed, heartbroken, whatever, we're gonna have problems. I don't care who you are, what you whatever. But if she comes home and say you did this, oh, we have a problem. I'm and taking, you just I'm, you just setting those boundaries in the in the beginning. Yes, I'm going after somebody. Period. Again, I don't have kids, man. So oh, I understand. I understand what you're saying, but like, I feel I like this. I feel like no, I do, I do. I really do understand what you're saying, but I don't think this is that. Yeah. I don't think that physically pulling out a gun on a kid, seventeen, whatever. But the intention was to scare him. Yeah. You what know? if he didn't have a gun though? What if his dad didn't have a gun? What but, if he just but, had but guns in the house? But if if he didn't have a gun, maybe this doesn't go down that way. If he didn't have a gun, maybe the kid just accepts that this guy is going to be like pushing him in his chest and saying, hey, if you come around here again, I'm going to fuck you up with my hands. Yeah. You know, it, maybe it doesn't go down that way. But we don't know because they both had guns. If this was a situation where just the kid shot a guy, maybe we go, yeah, he probably got up in his face for being in his house and messing yeah. with his daughter. And he might have put his hands on him a little rough. And the kid was like, man, fuck that. Don't disrespect. I can, I can take another angle of like he felt disrespected. By this adult man and then just pulled a gun out and was like, hey, man, don't touch me anymore. You're not my dad. Those kind of things. But it was a shootout. So clearly the dad had a gun and then the kid had a gun, too. And, you know, you pull a gun on me. I pull a gun on you. I don't know. My whole point in the story was this all wouldn't happen if she wouldn't start the boy in the house. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. But again, but then when you go and do the thing where it's like, well, I've been I snuck in houses before, but I didn't get caught. It's like, bro, teenagers do dumb shit and they end bad sometimes. I remember a story from a few years ago. A girl met a boy online. She was from Delaware. She took a bus to Philadelphia to meet the guy. It turns out the guy was a crazy murderer and killed her and burned her body in an alley. Yeah. But if this was just some story about a girl meeting a boy and they had a fun day in Philadelphia, it doesn't matter. Sometimes shit just goes sideways. I don't think that girl has to like, and she probably is going to live with it for the rest of her life, but I don't think that we need the, the, she needs the world to like remind her constantly that she's like a bad person because she did something when she was 14 that everybody does. Yeah, but it's still, it's still, you still need to be responsible though. But what do you mean by that? I mean, like you just brought the story of that girl that went to go meet with this guy. Sure. You know why? Take some bro, with you or something. I'm just. It's different. We've stayed in motels where people are actively doing heroin in the hallways. But it, but you know it's different for a male though. You I know do, I do, I do. So I you do. can't you can't compare the I two. I do that. I do know that. But there were <laughs> there were girls at those motels too. <laughs> that's not my problem. Okay. <laughs> I don't have anything to do with that. Okay, but that kid, that's seventeen. That you know, he was just a kid being a dumb kid too. I, I get that, but I'm saying that. 
for for a male is different. Yes. For a female, but this I'm saying, was male's business. Know, this was between the dad and, and the boy. And for a female, I'm saying okay, things could be different. Things are different for a female. Yes. But for, I'm saying what I'm trying to preach is for a female, you need to be you know you need to take other precautions or be more responsible. Like if a, if a so fe- you're saying a female like if you know your dad's dangerous, for, it's different for us to go meet a girl. It's like we guys, it's just how, it's just it's just different. But for a female, it's like you should you, you should know better to tell somebody, somebody tell or, somebody take somebody yeah. with you yes. or something like that. absolutely that's, yes. that's the different. point i'm trying to that's we live in I'm a double make. standard society there's different rules it for sucks but that's people. just how it is and that's just how it is right. but in this circumstance so you're so basically she's supposed to know that her dad is crazy or overprotective or whatever and just don't sneak boys into her house yes okay that's fair and that's a stance that i can understand and i go hey man i don't have kids so and I've never dealt with a girl. I've snuck in the houses before. Snuck in is that the Did word? You? Is, that, is that the word? You snuck, snuck in the house before? Yes, yeah, back back door. Not snuck in through a window with window. a ladder, but I like snuck out of a window. Open before. the. Oh yeah, you're a savage. <laughs> we won't get into that. We're you're almost thirty years old, but um no, like leave the back, come through the back door, that kind of thing. And then it's mm. like we just hang out in the basement. Yeah, never like I had to hide under a bed or was in a a closet or anything like that. But yeah, I've snuck in through some back doors at night, leave the door, leave the door unlocked and, and you know, whatever that type of shit. But yeah, like, yeah. I never had a girl that was like, my dad is crazy. Yeah. And so I'm not going. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. But I mean, we live in a different time right now. I think a lot of these kids are out here. Like I'm not, uh, I'm not scared of anything. So like <laughs> your dad, yeah. And I'm sure dudes like this have existed through all of eternity where, yeah, you yeah. know, it's like your dad, I'm not scared of your dad. Well, if you have a gun, you're not scared of anything. Very true. So, yeah, I mean, it's a very crazy story. Like I said, this has been a debate on Twitter. So when you brought it up, when you started talking about it, I was like, oh, I know this story. Yeah, yeah. So, um, no, again, I don't have kids, man. So you know the feeling of wanting to protect your daughter better than I do, maybe ever will. I don't know. But I just feel like the idea of the, again, if no, for people who haven't seen Bad Boys 2, this whole idea that, like, I'm going to bring over the savages because she's got a date today and we're going to open the door up, like, in tank tops, <laughs> sweating and being yeah. like, hey, man, take them in the garage and let them know, like, we'll all jump you, yeah. you 13-year-old boy, if you break her heart. I, I understand yeah. that that's kind of like, mm-hmm. like, that's the tradition of, like, oh, you give the guy a hard time, the first guy the girl brings home. But there's a difference between, like, you know, a stern talking to mm-hmm. and just laying down the rules and being like basically trying to run a guy off. Yeah. And I think a lot of dudes with daughters do the latter where they're yeah. trying to scare you so that no boys come. That's crazy. You don't think that that's crazy? That's just how it is, though. Man. But what do you mean? <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> what? What do you mean? That's, that's just, just how it just, is. You just you just protect Cause you don't, but you protect don't. and scare are two different things. You don't want to. Do you want to? You want to scare off a guy, a guy that your daughter likes. You want to scare him off. Yes, <laughs> I don't want him around here anymore. You don't need to do girl things until you till you're over twenty one years old. Oh, okay. See now you see you going you going you sounding like misogynistic Fran, bro. These are old. These are old ways of thinking. I understand you have a daughter. You want to protect your daughter. You want to keep your daughter as innocent as possible. But the solution to that, and it's crazy to me because I used to run the streets with you. You know what the girls with the crazy dads they do worse stuff. They tell you their parents that they're gonna spend the night at their friend's house. Yeah, and then they're at motels where people are doing heroin in the yeah. hallways. 
That's what happens. Don't you want to have like an turn. open line of communication with your child and let them know that they can come and talk to you and be honest with you? Yes. And, and, so, yes. But so put, making a, a situation where like the people that they like are scared to come to them makes them have to lie to you to get to them in some other capacity that might be not might not be a safe environment. And then you don't know where they are because they're scared to tell you. I don't know. Maybe I'll be dead by the time Sophie's dead. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I just don't, I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> <laughs> right, man, I'll let a, Max deal with that. He, he <laughs> yeah, yeah he, can, he can handle things. That was like, that was a really good conversation, man. Um, I'd love to hear people's thoughts on that. Um, if you haven't heard the story, Zachary, Louisiana, look that story up. Does, does the name, uh, not the girl's name, obviously, but the man, the father's name. Uh, Rest in peace Hamilton, to him. Mr. Hamilton. Rest in peace to Mr. Hamilton from... Uh, Desmond, ha- Desmond Jerome Hamilton. Is his yeah, name. rest in peace to Desmond Jerome Hamilton. I'd love to hear people's thoughts on uh, that whole situation. Yeah. And uh, let's get into these shout outs really quick before we get into some fucked up shit. Oh, yeah, it is time for the shout outs. Thank you very much to everybody on Patreon. To the patrons who bought shirts, the shirts are starting to roll out. They've come in. They're beautiful, friend. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you agree that, the, I mean, these are some soft, comfortable, yeah, great shirts. Yes. We curated them ourselves, got them ourselves. Shout out to Eric Cavill, who, you know, uh, did the, um, first, the, the podcast logo and this logo, as well as some other logos, the Good Vibes logo. Very talented artist. Look him up. Um, his Instagram is at the Cave Drawings. Fantastic. Shout out to him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the shirts will be rolling out. And then at some point in the next few weeks, I think maybe we'll try to do a, a, a open to everybody release. Yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll try to get that curated and organized. Make sure I take some photos with the t-shirt. Absolutely. Take some photos. Send them to us. We yes. want to see you rocking your shirts. Represent. When you get them in the mail or just let us know that they came in the mail and didn't get lost. I would love to just yeah. get some kind of... That is a high probability yeah. uh, during these times. <laughs> the full stuff is, my mailman just the other day kirked out on me. He was like... Did? I, well, I came. I heard him oh. like... I heard him on the porch like... God damn it. <laughs> beep, beep. You know, the little skater thing. We did a whole bunch of packages. Yeah, shit. I don't know. But he, he like, it was like something with the mail. He, you know, he started oh, talking okay. your jargon, like yeah. the fold ins, this, whatever. <laughs> right. So I opened the door. I was like, hey, what's up, man? He's like, hey, man, sorry. Um, You know, uh, you know, this used to be my route. But the guy who does this route, everybody's taking fucking vacations, man. So I got to go do this route. I'm not even be done until like nine o'clock. I was like, man, I'm sorry. Oh, we but told you all that. Yeah. I was like, oh, it went on for a while. I was like, yeah, but at least, you know, tomorrow's Sunday. Oh, I got to work tomorrow, too. So, no, <laughs> I, I'm not off until next week. Dang. So I was like, because I work every day overtime until next week. Oh, you know? it's oh, it's, oh yeah. Some stations are terrible. Yeah. So he was like having a nervous like, breakdown. Oh. And I almost just bat, like I patted him on oh, the shoulder like, hey, man, you know. <laughs> I wish I was there. <laughs> oh, he my was goodness. freaking out. You guys would have went into a hole, started talking like uh, no, I would have been like, like, uh, in the, I'd have been in, like in, damn. I'd have like, you know, I'm in Nottingham. He'd be like, oh, wow, Nottingham? <laughs> oh, jealous of you? Yeah, no, he hasn't been <laughs> talking like the Godfather, like speaking Italian, speaking uh, uh, mailman. Yeah, man, you say you at that station, people go, how many years you got in? Oh, yeah, so oh like, you got to oh, be like a big boss oh, to get to yeah, Nottingham, man. huh? Oh. I got lucky, man. Glorious. <laughs> shout out to Nottingham. Shout out to Nottingham, man. My boy living like a boss. Anyway, up first, we got Nicole Y. Shout out. Nicole, why are you so good to us signing up for our Patreon? Shout out to you. Thank you so much. You're amazing. Up next, we got Debbie P. Shout out to Debbie P. Thank you very much. I love little Debbie cakes, by the way. Oh, that, you know, some rolls. Oh, man. Honey buns. Yes. Some Sometimes yes. you grow up and the thing doesn't taste like it used to. Little Debbie's been consistent. Not Swiss I, rolls. They don't taste like they used no, to? No, I mean, they do. Oh, exactly. That's oh, what I'm saying. Little, little, Debbie, little, Debbie. Little, little Debbie products aged very well. Yes. Shout out to yes. Debbie P. Up next, we got Kelly H. Shout out to Kelly H. Thank you very much, Kelly. You're an awesome person. Up next, we got Caitlin L. Shout out to Caitlin. Never taking L's when you're a Patreon mm. subscriber. Come on over. I'm getting better at this, friend. Yeah. At least sometimes. Sometimes the name is just like, I have I have no doors. I have no way to get out of this <laughs> yeah, with this yeah. one. Up next, we got... 
Trine, Trine T, Trine. For example. For example, Trine, you better obey the rules of the Patreon, and there are no rules when you're drinking White Claws. Uh, Up next, we got Robin C. Uh, It's basically, she's robbing us with all the amazing content that she gets on Patreon Mm. for just $3 a month. That's awesome. Shout out to Robin. We love you. We fuck with you. Shout out to you. And lastly, we got Rachel T. Rachel... Rachel tensions are no, that's bad. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, thank you very much to Rachel. Shout out to you. Thank you very much to all the uh, subscribers on <laughs> Patreon. Uh, you guys are so awesome. We really appreciate it. Uh, before we get out of here, I just wanted to say, um, today of the day that we're recording this, June twenty fifth. Um, today is Emmett Till's birthday. He would have been eighty years old today. Uh, sixty six years ago, a fourteen year old boy was drug out into the woods by a mob of men, mm-hmm. grown men, because he had the audacity to look in a woman's direction, and they tied a fan around his neck after beating him mercilessly and threw him into a river. So he would have been eighty years old today. Sometimes, especially in twenty twenty, things kind of feel like they haven't changed much. Yeah. But I remain hopeful, and I think that you know the best impediment to evil is light. And keeping a light spirit and feeling good and positive. So I want to say happy birthday to Emmett Till. Rest in peace to Emmett Till. You know, God willing, you know, life is crazy, right? So who's to say Emmett Till would, without that horrible incident, would have lived to be 80 years old, right? But we'll never know. We'll know, yeah. We'll never know. Um, But rest in peace to Emmett Till. Uh, Here's to progress. Here's to um, positivity. Here's to uh, the, the demolition of evil and bigotry and hatred. What we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to get into some fucked up shit, so stick around. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. All right, and we are back, Fran. <laughs> a week later, better late than never. Yeah, my uh, affirmative murder is a story that I did last week yeah. for a whole ass thirty-five minutes that was not recorded, and buttons red, yes. so we are in good to go. I don't, I don't think people know how many. This happened multiple times before. Like we've had, yeah. Been Genuine, our, great, been in our back conversation, and then it just fucking something we go, went wrong. What camera wasn't on? <laughs> the the, the roadcaster wasn't recording. So many things left yeah. to the ether. Just yeah. in this, if these walls could talk, friend, yeah, they heard some great conversations that you guys just will never hear because you can't reinvent the wheel. Like right. we did it, so now we're gonna try to do that today. Be, but it's so been a week, so we might have even forgot the yeah. conversation. Well, we I, had. For, I forgot the story. So which okay, is a awesome. Good thing. So yeah, so yeah, yeah. hopefully we can re. Hopefully we're gonna make history and reinvent the wheel today and really yeah. get into a conversation 
that's really interesting because we did last week and none of you heard it. Yeah. So, Fran, now it's a little less of a headline, but uh, there was a law recently changed in Illinois that says that police officers can no longer lie to minors in the interrogation room. Okay. They're the only state to have done this of all the other states. They're the first and only state to have done this. Mm -hmm. So in honor of that shamefully recent law change in Illinois, uh, my affirmative murder this week is the story of the Dixmore Five. So, friend, the Dixmore Five are five African-American men who, as teenagers in Dixmore, Illinois, were falsely convicted of the 1991 rape and murder of 14-year-old Katerisa Matthews. Her partially clothed body was found in a field in December of 1991, 19 days after she went missing. She was killed by a single gunshot to her mouth. Mm. At the time of the arrest, the defendants, Robert Taylor, Jonathan Barr, James Harden, no relation, and Robert Lee Veal and Shane Sharp were all between the ages of 14 and 16 years old. Mm -hmm. Police had made no arrests and seemingly had no leads in the case for over 10 months until October 20th of 1992. On that date, a police indicated that Keno Barnes, who was 15, allegedly informed the police that Jonathan Barr had told him that when he last saw Katerisa, she was getting into a car occupied by Robert Lee Veal and Robert Taylor. At the time of the crime, Barr, Veal, and Taylor were 14 years old. So the, so the, the alleged testimony of a 15-year-old boy named Keno Barnes is what put police officers on the trail of these three young men. Ten months? Ten months, nothing. Ten months, nothing, and then all of a and sudden they a sudden. get some, some crazy lead that ten months ago this kid who was 15 saw this girl get into this car with these three boys. So what, so do they, okay, what's this, the lead that they got? So if before they, if they come up with but this, but we know from watching shows like the first 48, yeah. that they can, they might've got Keno Barnes on something and said, we'll let you go. If you can tell us about, cause you're from the same neighborhood as this girl, Katarisa, who was killed. Do you know anything about that? Okay. And maybe we'll let you go on your store robbery charge. Okay. So what I thought was, Okay, they got this guy to go, hey, it was, they, they bring up these three guys. I saw, he didn't I say saw, I, they killed him, but oh, he said, I saw, the last time I saw her, she was getting in a car with these three boys. Gotcha. Okay, I, th I thought how they did it was, they got somebody to go, for them to go, hey, I saw this, mm -hmm. but they only asking them because they can put these three boys that they was there, or like somebody saw them walking near the area. Or something. It doesn't it even like, have to be that. And it was like, okay, we can just put, we can just put it on them. Mm-hmm. No, because I mean we've seen just, we've seen cases of people weren't even in the vicinity, weren't even in the state. Yeah, that have yeah, been charged with things. Again, with this story, which reminds you of the um, Central Park Five. Yes, they was in the they was in the area though, right? Yes. Yeah, they that's were all I, playing. That's, around. Yeah, that's what I mean. Though. They yeah. can just go. Well, you were well, there. They were there. So you did it exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, in this case, I don't even know because I still don't know the answer to that. Whether or not Katarisa got into a car with these three boys, I don't know if maybe that did happen. Right. Right. Maybe yeah, it did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'll continue with the story. Hmm. So uh, on October 29th, nineteen ninety two, police brought in Veal, who was now fifteen years old, because it's ten months after the murder. They brought him in for questioning. After more than five hours in police custody, where he was interrogated outside of the presence of his parents or counsel. Veal signed a handwritten statement implicating himself, Jonathan Barr, and Robert Taylor, who were both 15, and Shane Sharp, who was 17, and James Harden, who was also 17, in the gang rape and murder of Matthews. Hmm. Later that day, 
And we already know. We already know what happened. So, you know, they uh, they brought him in. They mm-hmm. told him, you're going to go down for this. It's going to be just you that gets in trouble if you don't tell us what this, what James Harden had involved, his involvement, or Robert Taylor. You need to tell us who else was involved, and yeah. that'll help you. You know, tell us who was really the ringleader, and that'll help you. There's no counsel, no parents. This is a minor, and he's been in this interrogation room for five hours. Mm-hmm. Who knows what else they did to him? And eventually he signs this handwritten statement, mm. implicating himself and these other guys. So what do they do? They go later that same day. They're like, oh, we got this. We already know. They already know how they're going to do this. They already like, let's get it done. Let's close this case by tonight. Yeah. So later so that's- do they, do they bring that, that signed form in, in, the, in the next room? Is, is, it, is it a physically signed form? Like, is it, did they actually sign yeah. on it? So did they bring that sheet into the room and go, hey. Basically. Look. Sometimes what they'll do is, what, sometimes what they'll do is they'll have a, 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 a form that has basically lines on it. Yeah. And they'll have you write, uh, the car was this, it was this time, we picked her up. Like, so you write, you write the statement. We'll be writing some bullshit. But man. it's like you tell, you're writing what they tell you to write. We saw this in the Central Park Five yeah, case. Yeah. The uh, the guy who was a little slower than everybody else, his video of his interrogation is still online, mm. and you can see him just being like looking around, looking off camera, being like, "Uh, yeah, it was uh, midnight. I mean, ten o'clock. Oh, yeah, you know, like yeah, he, yeah. he 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 was just trying to get the story right that they told him to tell. Yeah, that's fucked up. Yeah, man. so they're like, you know, they're they got they got suspects. They're trying to close this case. So later that same day, after they let uh, the first young man go, they go and pick up Robert Taylor. Robert Taylor, after some interrogation, signed a handwritten statement again outside of the presence of his parents or counsel, implicating himself and the other four teenagers in the crime. On October 31st, after more than 21 hours in police custody, Shane Sharp also signed a handwritten statement implicating himself and the other four teenagers in the crime. The three confessions contradicted each other on the basic facts of the case. So there's no... There's no supervision uh, during this time. Like, there's There's nobody There's supposed to be. Basically, from... Again, and I only I watched first forty eight. I watched some court some court stuff. If you ask for a lawyer, the interrogation's supposed to stop. If you say I want a lawyer here, yeah. the interrogation's supposed to stop. But if you're fifteen years old, you don't even. I'm like you're like I don't have a lawyer. Yeah, I don't why? know what to ask for. Just a public defense. I don't know. I can. They have to give you a lawyer. You don't. You don't know that. Yeah, but why is it? Why isn't there somebody that should be overlooking something like this to go? We know. Come on, guys. You know this is a minor. We need to get there because police. Parents. That's crazy. Because 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 police police police. That's insane. so who's gonna who's gonna keep them in line if it's the That's guy right. that you that the guy that that job would be you guys go get beer after work. That's crazy. Yeah, police police police. So there is no like I mean they it have they have captain like they have they chief. have inter- they have internal the captain the chief they all want to close cases and get and get get their station in the black. They don't want homicides on their books. They want to close cases. So close the case. Tell the kid, if you don't tell us what happened right now, you're going to jail right now. That's not true. They don't have any evidence on you, but a threat is a threat. And if I feel like if I don't say anything right now, you're going to take me to jail right now? You can go home if you tell us that this guy was the the ringleader and you just just were there. But how can they do that? How can they tell the court if the court should know that these these are minors and their parents should be? Handwritten statement, handwritten confession. Even if their parents are not there? Judge wants to close this case. Everybody wants to close their case, bro. That's wild. The the state, uh, any state prosecution has like a 96% conviction rate. Most states have a really high conviction rate because they all want to get promotions and close cases and solve crimes. And even if it's not the right person, close the case. And that's not even, that's I not went even on, accurate. I did, I did, we were supposed to do 
uh, True Crime Binge with Bob Ruff. You had to work late. Yeah. And so I did it. And we talked for like 15 minutes about the Alfred, the Alfred plea. Mm-hmm. The Alfred plea just is, is a way for prosecutors to keep their conviction rates high because if, you pro- if I can prove that I've been in prison for 10 years, mm-hmm. if I can prove that I didn't commit this crime, but the prosecution wants to keep, their, the, keep the murder conviction on the books, mm-hmm. they'll go, okay, well, we can either go back to court and you might have enough evidence to get off, but you might lose and be, spend the rest of your life in jail. Or you go into the courtroom, you take an Alfred plea, which is you saying, I'm innocent, but the state has enough evidence to, to, keep, to, to, to prove that I'm guilty. Mm-hmm. So I'm guilty. And they'll let you out that day. On an Alfred plea. Out of jail that day, but you're a convicted murderer for the rest of your life. This is what happened to the West Memphis Three. That's weird because I just, one of the stories that I I looked into last night, I was going to read, and the guy, I can't remember. I think think it may be one of the stories I do in the future because I I, I read it yesterday, last night. But Mm -hmm. it was, the guy was like, um, he's wrongfully convicted, and he was saying that I didn't do it, but they was like, if you admit to it until you're guilty, we'll let you go. That's an Alfred plea. And he was like, no, I'm not doing that. Okay. Well, that's that's an Alfred plea, and a lot of people do it. That's crazy, and that but keeps, that, but that keeps record, your conviction. Though. That keeps your conviction on the books as a guilty, and you're you're now out and innocent. So the person who really committed the crime can never be brought to justice because the case is closed. So it's not going to be reopened. That's not going to go on your record, though. Your criminal. No, record? yes, you it are is. a you are that's a convicted crazy. felon for the rest of your life. That's why you're just free. You're just free. But you're a, you're a convicted murderer. Nah, I ain't with that. But you're not with it. But you haven't been in jail for 15 years. Oh, and yeah. they say you can come out today yeah. if you just say I'm uh, Alfred plea. I'm guilty, but I'm innocent. Okay, you're free, but you're still guilty for the rest of your life of committing that murder. And whoever really did commit the murder gets to just continue to be free and never has now never has to worry about looking over their shoulder because the case is closed. The numbers are bogus then. That's the criminal justice system in America. <laughs> it's interesting, right? You come to that conclusion. It's like, yeah, but that's how the system is. Yeah. <laughs> so, so. In June of 1994, before any of the teenagers were tried, the Illinois State Police Crime Lab identified a lone male DNA profile from sperm recovered from the victim's body. Even though all five defendants were excluded as the source of the semen, the prosecution pushed forward rather than seeking the source of the semen recovered from the victim's body. The teens alleged that they were coerced into confessing, claiming they were physically abused and threatened during their interrogations. Shocker. One of the boys who confessed had an IQ of 56 and developmental disabilities. Two pleaded guilty and testified against the others in exchange for shorter sentences. Both men have since recanted their testimony. Each received at least 80 years in prison. Mm. Damn. So they, what do they do? They divide and conquer. Everybody gets different representation. Then the distrust comes. Nobody, everybody's skeptical of everybody who, tur- who told, why did it go this far? Obviously somebody, because... In the Central Park Five case, and in this case, and the one I'm telling right now, two of the guys testified against the other ones, right? Yeah. So it's almost like when you get to that point, it's like, well, fuck you. I'm not fucking, we're not on the same team. This escalated further because you implicated, I was home. Yeah. You know? But you don't, you don't, you don't like. And Corey Wise is the the name of the young man. I'm sorry, I I forgot, I just remember. Corey Wise is the young man from the Central Park Five who, his testimony is still online. Oh, but you don't, so for you, you wouldn't, you don't agree with that as far as like if. We we got caught up in something, mm-hmm. and my dad goes, "Hey, we're going to get you your own." No, you're my co-defendant. <laughs> no, we are going to so court you- together. <laughs> if we're innocent, yeah, yeah. If I did it, I mean, if, if I did it, 
Get your own I'm lawyer. Talking, I'm talking if we innocent. If we are innocent. No, nah, if we're innocent, bro, no. We're going to get a lawyer and we're going to we're gonna tell them what happened. But what if my and, dad go, hey, we, we still going to go and get I mean, you. I'm not going to fight your dad. You I, know I, I know, but I'm saying, are you, but would you go. I'd be mad. Would, so would you go, yeah, he did it. No. No. no you would, I no. would. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> The guy gonna leave me out though. <laughs> he did all that. It was all him. So uh, in 2011, DNA tests connected the semen sample from the 1994 murder of Caterisa to another man named Willie Randolph, who at the time of the crime was 33 years old, lived with the lived in the victim's neighborhood, and was on parole after serving a 20 year sentence for armed robbery. Randolph. A convicted, a convicted sex offender was later charged on September 1st, 2016. Now, I do not know if he was a sex offender at the time of the murder of Katarisa. Okay. I do not know that. But if he was and just got out of prison after doing 20 years for a violent crime, maybe you put him on your radar, especially if you found one lone semen sample, but right. you're making it out like this. it was a gang rape. But this information came up, was this during the trial? Oh, this no, they they buried the ability for them to get their DNA test or something. They didn't know this in the, in 1994. Okay, they had no way of of saying like the DNA sample wasn't any of ours in trial. But they so but, they didn't like make it available to the defendant, the defense. But they did know the the prosecutors they, knew they didn't know they just yeah the, the, oh, the yeah, stopped the, it from coming up. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, just like that story I did a couple weeks ago. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's very common. If I, I don't want That's this, crazy, this hurts man. my case, so make sure it doesn't come up. For, yeah, for it them to have the information. Court, then, court, a court hearing is just theater. Who can put on the best put, show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who can put on the better show? And if your evidence or evidence that even if evidence that I find contradicts the story that I'm telling, mm-hmm. then I won't bring it up. That's I mean, period. There's witnesses that could break the whole break my whole narrative up. Mm-hmm. I'm not calling that witness. Yeah, they'll stay home. It's it's just, but it's just like who has the best skill of persuading the the jury of yeah, this is exactly what this is what happened. We bring up long shot all the time, bro. I love that. He was at a Dodgers game with his daughter. Wow, and they almost he was a nut hair away <laughs> from spending the rest of his life in prison. And Larry David's curb your enthusiasm saved his life. Yeah, because they happened to get him in a frame of an episode of a television show. He was going to he was going to prison. Oh yeah, he was done. It doesn't. It's not what you know. It's what you can prove. That's, that's the what, most true thing. But that's what I mean about being a skilled like the attorney, though. Yes, for you to pull skilled attorneys like make big fucking money. <laughs> you know the Crazy. law when you know the law, and you can spin the law to your narrative. That's what makes a great attorney. Yeah, a good lawyer is very expensive, and that's why public defenders, public defendants, are often overworked and not very good at their job because they're new. Yeah, you know. I just represent myself. Thank you. No, nah, then you out there looking like Ronnie O'Neal, bro. <laughs> Fucking guy. Ronnie, he just got um, not to go off off track again. I, I want to get to this, night. but yeah, he got he got sentenced to three life sentences. Family of the of the uh, of his of his victims on the stand, not happy about the verdict. They wish he would have got the death sentence. And at the end of that, he got to speak, and Fucking he said, guy, "I'm no, I don't apologize. I'm not apologizing for something I did I didn't do." And I'm also not apologizing for something that I did do. I, said, I was what? like, yo, that's crazy. <laughs> and then it, that's all I saw. I Boy, was he's like, spending what? the rest of his life in prison. Ju- Good. It, he should be under the fucking Very jail. much so. That dude's a fucking nut. Uh, they should put people on other planets they traveling to. Just put them Yeah, out yeah. There. Jeff Bezos, put guys like Ronnie <laughs> O'Neill in the in the cargo space in your yeah. in your penis rocket ship and put them on a moon prison. <laughs> that shit looked like a dick, bro. 
That was he. Did you see him after when he got back? Yeah, that cowboy hat on. His Man, because he's a space cowboy. Somebody, one oh, of the listeners, one of the yeah. I was I didn't I didn't do the math on that one, right? So I was <laughs> like cowboy. I was like, why the fuck is he wearing a cowboy hat? Somebody was like, because he's a space cowboy with the eye roll emoji. I was like, yeah. wow, a space cowboy. Yeah, so much money. It's. Just bored, bro. The guy, the guy interviewing him was like, "So, does this make you want to go further into space?" He goes, "Hell yeah!" <laughs> I was like, "This motherfucker's Lex yeah, Luthor." So much money, I was man. like, "Yo, that's the evilest shit." That motherfucker's coming from Mars. It's gonna be an Amazon Prime base on Mars, bro. They're gonna be shipping the packages straight from Mars, shoot, shooting them from satellites. Mm-hmm. Shit is crazy. Anyway, I digress. Sorry, <laughs> I, I want to give these guys the respect that they deserve. Anyway, so. Like I said, that they they uh, you know in 2016 on September 1st, the guy Willie Willie Randolph was charged for the rape and murder of Catarisa Matthews. A suit was filed by the by the men uh, who alleged that the police withheld exculpatory evidence, mm-hmm. including the DNA from their defense teams, in, including the DNA from their defense teams. Their convictions were vacated on November 3rd, 2011, and those remaining incarcerated were released. Lawyers for three of the five asked for DNA testing in 2009. Mm -hmm. Dixmoor police officers could not find the evidence and the testing was delayed. However, by 2011, the Dixmoor five were cleared. Three of the five men, Robert Taylor, James Harden, no relation, and Jonathan Barr, spent nearly 20 years in prison before being released. The police had reassured me. This is this is a quote from um, Catarice's mother. Okay. The police had reassured me that they were the ones. It dis- it disappointed me when they were the wrong guys. I thought everything was over with. Mm. It was really stressful to hear that they were the wrong people. Yeah. Then they didn't charge this new person. Because when they found that it was really Willie Randolph, they still didn't charge him for like another three years. Mm. But they let the guy... So it was this limbo yeah. where in 2011, the, the, the Dixmore Five were exonerated. Mm. But then... Well, because they found Willie Randolph's DNA, but then they didn't charge Willie Randolph until 2016. After the whole thing, it was after it, right? Yes. Okay. So basically, for for five years, there was nobody in in responsible for the death of Catarisa Matthews, and that's her mother. Her mother's calling yeah, around, man. being like, "Wait, so these guys are being let out? But you told me that they did it. Yeah, but then some DNA evidence. Okay, so the DNA. Who's this guy? Right. Yeah, we're still trying to figure that out. We'll, we'll keep you posted. And then five years that's later, they up. charge Willie Randolph with the, um, the rape and murder of her daughter. I've been pissed, man. Of course. That's an understatement. In 2014, the Dixmore Five reached a wrongful conviction settlement with the state of Illinois for $40 million, the largest wrongful conviction settlement in the state's history. Shane Sharp hired a financial advisor to get his life back on track after decades of hell. In 2019, that very financial advisor was accused of stealing all of his money. Uh, the man's the man's last name was Boggs. He was a, he was charged with a federal crime with a, with a federal crime complaint with scheming to defund clients of millions of dollars to pay his personal expenses. That's crazy. <sighs> this man gets out. He gets out after spending 20 years 20 in years. prison for a rape and a murder. Rapists don't have a great time in jail. Gets exonerated. Gets what? How much? Two million? Five million dollars. Forty million dollars split five ways. About five million dollars. Five million dollars. But you got to, after, I'm sure they taxed that a little bit. Damn. Can't leave him alone? Yeah. Damn, Uncle Sam. Uh, So he goes find a financial advisor. Financial advisor. And the dude takes all his money. But bear in mind, they live in Illinois. This story is all over the headlines. So this financial advisor no definitely way. knows 
this is the guy this man that here, just yeah. got exonerated for a wrongful uh, accusation of being a rapist and a murderer of a young girl, and it's like I'm gonna go rob him. Yeah, he went to. Go he find saw him that and was like, "Yo, yeah, yeah. I'm taking all of his money." That's crazy. As opposed to being like, "Oh my god, man, let me make sure this guy gets on his feet." That's an incredible story. That's so sad. I want to make sure he spends his money the right ways and doesn't, you know, because if you look up, if you look, you ever looked up dumb lottery uh, mm. videos on YouTube? No. So they they got lists of people make a hundred million dollars lost in the six months. All kind of people bought jets and all kind of all, so all kind of dumb purchases with lottery money. So as opposed to hearing about this story of this guy who was arrested when he was 16, 17 years old and just fell into this windfall of cash and wanted to make sure he invests his money right, get him situated, get him opening up a business or yeah. something like that. You're like, no, nah, I'm going to go fucking rob him. So according to the complaint, Boggs met with Sharp periodically to talk about the performance of his investments and provide financial recommendations and always assured Sharp that his accounts were performing well. Boggs also sometimes socialized with Sharp and Sharp's spouse. And Sharp describes described Boggs as being charming in the complaint, which is the way you know, you, you're charming, well-dressed, you sound like you know what you're talking about, 401k, IRA, CDs. You do some of these with the CDs and invest in the stock market. And sometimes stocks are live and sometimes they're baited or whatever, that kind of shit. And you're like, oh, this dude knows what the fuck he's... I've been in prison since I was 15 years old. I don't know yeah, shit. No shit yeah. This dude's smart and he's nice and charming. Yep. And so you just is like, here's all the, here's all my money. But suddenly in May, 2018, Boggs contacted Sharp to tell him that his investment accounts had been depleted and were being closed. That's a crazy phone call to get like, Hey man, um, all your money's gone, but it's been oh, a pleasure phone, doing business. A meeting? You know, was, I'm oh, sure. You think he came to his face to tell him that? <laughs> no, he, that was over the phone. Hey, man, so all your money's been is gone, but it's been a pleasure doing business with you. Bye. You know, like just your money's gone. So Boggs claimed that Sharp had spent all the other funds in the accounts himself. And while Sharp did not believe that he could have done that, he trusted Boggs. And this was what all was written in this criminal complaint. In all, Boggs is accused of swindling at least four clients out of more than $2 million Damn. and a total of $815,000 from Sharp. Having been wrongfully convicted and then losing what he earned, the toll of this sent Sharp plummeting to rock bottom. Yeah. I have, again, I have no further updates on this case. This is as of 2019, 2020 COVID hit. I, I don't think anybody went to go check on, on Shane Sharp. Yeah. So. I'd have called my family, hey, y'all, uh, I'm going back to prison. <sighs> Sorry, I don't know. After spending twenty years in prison, I feel like the last thing you want to do is go back. But I could see somebody seeing red. Yeah, after somebody you stealing your wrongful shit? conviction, twenty years of your life stolen money. Because the so what are you supposed to do? After really, that? the five million isn't even enough for you to for what I've been through. But that was my consolation prize of the hell I've been through, and you stole it. You stole it. That's crazy. Right in front of my face. That's crazy, man. And, so, then, and then you hit me with a phone call to say I lost it all. To say you lost it all. <laughs> to say, hey, man, you spent your money. I tried. I yeah. tried to help you. This is what he said. I tried to be your financial advisor, but you blew through your money, man. Now I have to go get on my yacht and then <laughs> with that, the money that you bought. So um, I got to cut this phone call short. Have a tea time at three. <laughs> got to get on the green. Really trying to get my Tiger Woods on. Know what I'm saying? All right, homie. You know, try to still try to... Hey, man, keep hope alive, brother, because he was a black guy. Hey, brother, hey, man, you stay up and stay out of trouble, though, okay? Man. This is a black? Oh, what do you mean? The, the, the financial, financial advisor? advisor? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, man. I'm Nah, mm -hmm. I'm after him. 
But hey, brother, hey, man, you know what you still have? They can never take from you, no matter how much money you don't do or don't have. Your freedom, brother. Okay, now I gotta go. Uh, my driver's downstairs. So uh, prayers to uh, to Teresa Matthews and the entire Matthews family. Rest in peace to Katerisa Matthews. Just a tragic story all around. But thankfully, justice was served in the end, and Willie Randolph was found guilty for the crime that he committed, and the Dixmore Five were released. Although, you know, like in a lot of these stories of these kids who were wrongfully convicted. Some of them turned out okay. Some of them ended up becoming repeat offenders. And this okay. didn't get the acclaim that the Central Park Five story got mm-hmm. to where those five young men, even if some, like um, um, Raymond Santana, I follow him on Instagram, so happy for him living his best life because he became a repeat offender. After, you know, going through that, he, he, he copped out. So he didn't get as long as everybody else got. Um, Central Park Five of. Central Park Five. Oh, okay. Corey Wise got the longest time out of everybody. Yeah. But Raymond Santana, Santana got out, and but he was became a drug dealer and all. Prison doesn't reform anything. Yeah. But now he's married to Delicious from Flavor of Love. Oh shit. He's always on Instagram grabbing her ass and making TikToks and doing. He's working out. He's just living his best life. But that is, in major part, due to the fact that. There was a docu-series made about it, and it, you know they got to go on red carpets, and the story became globally known, and yeah. all. This. So they got this resurgence and these opportunities to go do speaking engagements and make money. The Dixmore Five. This isn't a well-known story. No. You know, there's tons of other stories. I feel like we've done other stories about a such and such five, this and that three. They're not world known. Yeah. You know, the Central Park Five are kind of like the best case scenario, and even in that story, I don't know if all five of them are doing great. I know yeah. one of the guys is like. Um, I can't remember his name. He might have been the guy, the kid who kind of got everybody in trouble, kind of. Mm-hmm. No, it was the it was the kid. I can't remember his name. He's a, but his dad was there, and his dad told him to confess. His mm-hmm. dad was there in the room with him, and yeah. his dad told him to confess because his dad got scared because they were saying prison time, this, that, and the third. He's so angry to this day. Really? Money can't, yeah. Money, I mean, he hates his dad. His yeah. dad ruined his life. And then his dad died and all this stuff. So- Money can't fix that. But so he did get out, though. He did. He they was, all are out. Yeah, they're all out. Yeah, yeah. But they all are out. They and all got thirty too. million. Yeah, they all got a thirty million dollars or whatever. A lot of them moved down to Atlanta. They all got thirty million dollars. I'm sorry. They all split oh, about, about thirty say. million dollars. They didn't all get thirty. They all split about thirty million dollars. Right. But it doesn't matter how much money they got because that money can't fix the 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 trauma. I was of, saying that because like that's crazy. Yeah, thirty million. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> nobody's ever gotten that, and nobody ever will. Yeah. But Corey Wise spent like a year in solitary confinement. Money can't fix that. Mm. Those those mental issues that come with that kind of stuff. So, in this story of the Dixmore Five, uh, I don't know all the gentlemen's names of who circumstances or what, but one of them is in prison currently because while he was in prison, he got caught up on drug charges in prison, so he had to do more time in prison, mm. separate from. It's like, oh, you're now exonerated for your crime, but you still are here on something else. Yeah. You know? So, it, you know, money doesn't fix these things. Money is just a Band-Aid for a major problem, and a lot of these guys need therapy. And uh, I hope they seek it, you know? But a lot of them don't because it's stigmatized in the black community. It's like, no, nah, man, I'm just going to chin up. I got money now. It's over with. I went through it. I got through it. It's fine. It's like, no, you got internal pain that needs to be dealt with. Yeah. And I recommend that people see that for what it is and go take care of it the best you can. What we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Fran's going to get into some fucked up shit. So stick around. Uh, My affirmative murder this week is 
about a, a story of again same type of theme for this episode is um this wrongfully convicted man of brian keith baldwin brian keith baldwin yes brian keith baldwin so brian keith baldwin was born in charlotte north carolina in 1958 and had gotten into trouble with the law as a teenager in March 1977, he was, he was serving time in a juvenile facility in Western North Carolina for stealing a car. On March 12th, at age 18, he escaped with Edward Dean Horsley, who was known as Ed Dean, age 19, who had been convicted of armed robbery, a felony during which a police officer was shot. In March 1977, Naomi Rowland, a young white girl age 16, was driving in Hudson, North Carolina, across town to visit her father in a hospital. She apparently picked up Baldwin and Horsley, who were hitchhiking. They robbed and stabbed her, mm. raped her, and put her in the truck. Mm. They drove 40 hours with her in the truck, traveling across state lines to Monroe County, Alabama. Mm. Horsley went off in the car with Roland, returning alone. She was killed in March of 14, 1977. The police found Naomi's body and car beside a rural road in Monroe County. There's no way this even happens anymore. Who hitchhikes now? Yeah. No, no, you know? No, 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 no. I, I mean, I don't mean to sound like uh, classist or like, I don't know. Yeah. It, like, uh, I don't know, because pe- people in Baltimore do do, we call it hacks. People still do hacks. But even people, a lot of people just do but it, is it, is it. But is it hitchhiking as like you driving up to somebody and say, hey, you need a ride? Or is it like somebody's flagging down the ride? Yeah, somebody flagging it's, down it's the hack. Just, okay. But that's still the same thing. I mean, even though it's not like, the stereotypical your thought of hitchhiking, like you're on I-95 in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like even if you're in a city, getting into a stranger's car could end badly. Yes. You know? Yes. Even getting, I mean, I, there was a story about a guy who was pretending to be an Uber. Somebody could get into a car that's like, oh, a silver Honda. And it says silver Honda and you get in the wrong silver Honda. Now, any other situation, let's say you, you know, you drive a, you drive a, 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 a charger. Yeah. Somebody gets in your car thinking you're the Uber. Your, your exchange between them is like, Oh, uh, I'm not an Uber. This is not an Uber. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. They get out. Yeah. But if you're the wrong person hanging around, because you know, like when we went to Austin, they have like Uber station. Like uh, this is the spot where the Ubers come pick you up. Well, we got off the plane. Yeah. 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 If you lurk around that area, somebody might just get in your car. Yeah. And if it's a regular guy, you go, oh man, it's crazy. Sorry. No, I'm not an Uber. I'm just here to pick up my girlfriend from the airport. Yeah. And you close the door. But if it's the wrong guy, they got the child locks on. And now it's like, oh my God, are you not Frank? Yeah. And then they just pull off, and now you're kidnapped. So, are you supposed to ask their name, or are you or are well, they supposed to ask? It's kind of like it's kind of like it's supposed to say, just, it's supposed to happen yeah. between both of you. In the you open the door, Steve, get Mark. Yeah, yes, okay. yes. Because you, you can just be like James, and they go, yeah, yeah, that's true. Just get, if you do that, get yeah, sure I am. <laughs> yeah, sure I am. Get on in. But yeah, and I don't they, know if hitchhiking. They need, they need to be something. They need to like license plate. Uh, number they do have that on there. It is. But whom, I've never. Nobody. Go. But again, I'm a man, so I don't know. I've never like saw on the thing like license plate XJ one seven three four, and I go look at the plate, and you know, there's been times I've ordered Ubers and the wrong car shows up. Oh shit! I'm just like, oh, I guess they got a new car. You're crazy. What are they gonna do? This is my arrogance of man. <laughs> what are they gonna do? Fight me? What if they drive into a lake? I beat ass. They drive the part the car into a lake. <laughs> oh man, he's gonna he's gonna I care I care a lot me. Oh man. There's no such thing as a coincidence. Oh, that's weird. But yeah, no, I don't think I don't think hitchhiking is a thing anymore. Yeah. I could be wrong. But for people out there, check the if I didn't know, I don't catch Uber so Yeah, check, check the, the license, license plate. plate. Make sure the car is the same color, yes. same make and model. Do if these it's not, things. Cancel it and get another ride. Yeah, absolutely. That's all you have to do. Yes. 
Uh, so the pair of men stole a truck in nearby um, Wilcox County, Alabama, the next day, March 15th, and they were arrested after a high-speed case by county police. Chase. Chevy Chase. Yeah, I said oh, you- <laughs> <laughs> They both gave statement at the Wilcox County Jail. Baldwin later said that this was, this was beaten, that he was beaten and tortured there. Finally, given the prison. Yes. Finally, given in a confession to end the punishment. So, again, he was in um, interrogation, beat him or whatever to say, hey, you did this, right? And yes. Two things can be true. I've seen a lot of interrogation footage on YouTube of guys who definitely did kill the kill somebody, and the police beat them when they brought them into, into um, the interrogation room. And they absolutely were beaten very badly. Mm. But they also did it. Yeah. So him, them saying that is like, they beat us. This is they're wrong. Yeah. But like no, but like that's true. But mm-hmm. like also, you are the person that did. It doesn't make you innocent because you got beat. Yeah. You know. Oh, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Um. So they were not. They were not advised of their rights, including right to counsel. Mm-hmm. They were taken to Monroe County, where they were, where they were each indicted for aggravated robbery and murder. This combination made it a capital crime. Each man was eligible for the mandatory death penalty if mm. convicted. A sentencing hearing would be held by the judge to determine if they were mitigating circumstances to reduce the penalty. Horsley confessed to the murder. He was executed for first-degree murder in 1996. Yep. Baldwin later said that after he was arrested as a suspect, the local police beat him and subjected him to shocks from, ele- from an electric cattle prod, mm. forcing him to confess to the murder of of Naomi. He later re- retracted the confession, which um, had, in- it said, it said, which had incorrect ma- uh, material facts, um, both about Naomi's death and the nature of the, the murder weapon. Mm-hmm. So three witnesses testified to seeing bruises on Baldwin's neck. I mean, sorry, Bro- Baldwin's back and body after interrogation. Mm-hmm. Nathaniel Masdi, the only black deputy sheriff in Monroe County at the time, later testified that he had seen Baldwin being beaten to coerce his confession and that a cattle prod was present at the jail. Mm. He also said that he, he had falsely signed an affidavit saying that Baldwin had been advised of his rights, including the rights to counsel. But in 1999 from a nursing home, he told governor Don Siegelman in an interview that he had not seen that beating. Wait, what are you saying? He said is, is he said, retracted it at the nursing home from a nursing home. He told governor Don governor Don Siegelman in, a, in an interview that he had not seen the beating. So he, but when he was young, he said he did? He said he did, yeah. Oh, so he was lying when he was young? He did, saw did, him, did him saying that. So he said this during the time of the, like, did he say this on a stand? Or, like, was he a witness? Did he did he help this guy? Like, with his, with his, with his. It sounded like, don't when this was happening. He said something. He, he said something. And then after. Later on down the line. He yeah. He, like, said, I, li- I lied. Yeah. Huh. That's confusing. Yeah, so the judge refused funds for Baldwin's defense. The court-appointed lawyer spent very little time with Baldwin and called no defense witnesses. I n- They're overworked and underpaid, <laughs> though. I mean, I don't. I think that we have this idea in our head that a, a public defendant is like this bumbling idiot who barely made it out of That's law TV, school. TV, man. Yeah, but like a lot of times they might be good lawyers, but it's like I have to do 15 cases today yeah. you know i just i i, I look so, at it just yeah it, from tv it's a tough it's a tough spot to be in yeah, they yeah. do have a bad rep and maybe they maybe maybe like i said maybe good lawyers even if they are public defenders public defendants eventually get 
snatched up by a private. That's where law you firm. start, though, right? That's where that's, you start. A lot, a lot of people start yeah, yeah, as yeah. being a public defendant. Yeah. But if you're a career public defendant, you probably aren't the best lawyer, in my opinion. Yeah. You don't. You, you're don't not. You don't, you're not working for like Shlomowitz, Jacobs, and Gold by yeah. now. You're not. You know, like you aren't. You haven't been called up to the big leagues. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. So again, the, uh, the judge refused funds for Baldwin's defense. The court-appointed lawyer spent very little time with Baldwin and called no defense witnesses. Although Baldwin has some, some who could attest to his beating by police, Baldwin's fingerprints were found in the car. He mm. was not indicted for the rape, the robbery of the car, and violence. Against the victim were aggravated factors used to justify the capital charge of first-degree murder against him. So there were no physical evidence tying Baldwin to the murder. He had no blood on his clothes, in contrast to Horsley, and there were no Baldwin fingerprints on the murder weapon. So it sounds like he was there, but his friend did the murder. Yeah. And his friend was, was put to death, right? Yes. But yeah. this guy, his fingerprints are in the car, but not on in word, any of the crime word. stuff. Yep. Yeah. So forensic analysis determined that the murder was committed by a left-handed person, but Baldwin was right-handed. Mm. The defense did not obtain the latter evidence until 1999. The prosecution had not made it available at the time of his trial, and the jury never heard it. Mm. Crazy, man. How they can do that, man? It, it, that I'm not into the courtship, but that part amazes me. Yeah. They, they can just spin it and go, we need to. Hide that. We can't even let that get out. I don't want to misuse terms, but I think that all that stuff is called discovery. Like all the stuff that's open to everybody to know. After? after no, the, during. Oh, like during. it's like everything. Oh, this is the murder weapon. Here are the witnesses. Okay. This, that, and the third. And I think that if you are the prosecution, you have a better chance of finding something and then just tucking it away. Like let's not let's not let make this be known to the court. Gotcha. And if they find it on their own, then they got us. It's almost like it's almost like reneging. Like in, in spades, mm-hmm. if you if you play a if you play a heart you if you play a spade when you the suit is hearts mm-hmm. and but you have a heart, if you get caught, cool, you know, on that last play, you gotta play the heart. Yeah. Right? But if you never get if nobody notices, then whatever. But if the defense goes, Oh, we we found out about the uh what was it that they did? The left handed Yeah. We found it. Yeah. So we're gonna bring it up and we feel oh, like the prosecution you. didn't bring it up. Now you kind of look stupid like you've been hiding something mm. and that goes against you as the prosecution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But as the prosecution, you have a better chance of hiding that and not getting caught. Mm. But you, there is a risk that you could renege and then that could be um that's how you fall into like habeas corpus, a mistrial, okay. because the prosecution's doing funny shit. So if you if you if you do some slick shit like that and you get caught you get caught on it. You could lead to a mistrial, mm. and then the person gets off. Oh shit! What happens though? A lot of sometimes I don't know how the statistics on it, but sometimes the person is guilty, but the prosecution didn't have all the evidence that they needed to really make it stick, and they tried some slick shit, and then they cause habeas corpus, mm. and there's a mistrial. Now, can it happen the other way around? What if it? What if the defendant knows something that may prosecute his his um his client that they don't want the prosecutor to know. You know what oh, I mean? I'm sure that happens. Yeah. Every, every lawyer, anything that I don't know, I can't get in trouble for. Okay. So you can't tell me that, but I'm sure there's a ton of times where a defendant finds like some evidence that, Hey, he is guilty. Yeah. But I'm trying to win this case. Yeah. So, but I, you know I'm what I mean, not going to, I'm not going to put that forward. Right. Yeah, but sure the, but the prosecution don't know though. Yeah. I'm sure that happens. Just, I'm sure that happens. Oh, okay, I'm you. sure that happens. That's cool. uh-huh. Like just even like you're, you're spending all this time with this person. If they go, Oh my God, um, I did this. Yeah. What do you do? Like, you did what? I murdered that girl. And then, but they go, 
we're going to win this tomorrow. Like they know the defendant, your your defendant, your your defense lawyer knows I got them. I got the prosecution by the balls. But how would you feel as a lawyer though? If they, if you you probably feel like a scumbag and that's why I don't really like that. I don't really like the idea of being a lawyer because Mm -hmm. like those things happen. You know, I know I'm going to get this guy off for rape. Yeah. But he raped her. I know in the course of just talking to him, seeing his facial expressions when we talk about the crimes, the, his, his callousness, laughter, he did this. But I know I can get, I, I'm getting him off tomorrow. He will walk tomorrow. But I know he's guilty. That happens every day. So you have to almost build this second skin of like, hey, I do a job. I just do a job. I don't take yeah. it home with me. My job is to get people off. That's gross. Um, yeah, so the trial and conviction were completed in uh, an hour and one and a half, I'm sorry, in one and a half days, which was August 8th and August, and August 9th in 1977. So Baldwin was convicted by an all-white jury, although the population of the area of the jury pool was 46% black. Mm. The exclusion of African Americans from a jury in such case were um, where they form a significant part of the local population was ruled an unconstitutional in Boston versus Kentucky mm-hmm. by the United States Supreme Court. So there were multiple appear, appeals um, on the conviction and the trial proceedings based primarily on the following issues. Failure to advise suspect of rights, including right to counsel, coarse confession under torture, ineffective defense counsel, and racial bias jury selection. This is all habeas corpus. Yeah. This can all lead to a mistrial or you know a dismissal of the case. Not on this. Yeah. Uh, so the first appeal as to whether Alabama had jurisdiction to try the case because the kidnapping and robbery occurred in North Carolina and was heard by Judge Robert E. Lee K. Although that's he had, a, his name was Robert E. Lee, Robert E. Lee. Yeah. Like the Confederate. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's already a sign that you're not going to get uh, what the just justice. Of and the, it's, for some reason, I, I'm reading this story off a of wiki. And you know how when you read stuff, like if names pop up from like somebody that's involved in something else, it's mm-hmm. blue. Yeah, you this guy's name is red. I don't know. I don't know why it's in red. That's the first time I've ever seen Confederacy. that. Confederacy. <laughs> I've seen that. Uh, yeah. So he was. It was heard by Judge Robert E. Lee K. Although he had presided over Baldwin's conviction, it is normally accepted in law that the same judge cannot preside over a hearing to appeal his own case. So he was there again. He was there again. Mm. Yep. It was settled that Alabama had jurisdiction because the murder was committed there. But it didn't have to be that judge. I don't think it's supposed to be. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was. Yes, it was. So Horsley, before his execution, had testified in writing that he alone had committed the murder of Naomi and that Baldwin had not known of her death. This was not given to Baldwin to Baldwin's counsel until after Horsley's um, execution in 1996. So um, like 20 years later. Yep. So he'd been in prison for 20 years. Um, Yeah, so let me... Yeah, because he was convicted in 1977. Yep. So, so on this guy's deathbed, not until then did he say, no. it was just me. Uh, no. Wow. Yeah. So Baldwin's case was taken to the Supreme Court with 33 senior judges and prosec- prosecutors signing a letter supporting Baldwin. The Supreme Court declined to reverse the conviction on the murder and death sentence the Pope, former President Jimmy Carter, and Archbishop um, of Mobile, Alabama, 26 members of the Congressional Black Caucus of the United States Congress, Coretta, Coretta Scott King, mm. which is the widow of Martin Luther King, petitioned to prevent Baldwin's execution, but they were unsuccessful. So in conclusion, Brian Baldwin was executed despite compelling evidence of his innocence and, and um, evidence that he had, 
that he did not receive a fair trial. Allegations of torture and racial bias by the state of Alabama. And violation of constitutional and international human rights were sufficiently egregious to warrant a reversal of the trial's court decision. The initial appeal alleging improper procedure and racism was heard by the same judge who had convicted Baldwin. Again. Wow. But so he's dead. Dude, he's dead at this point. This dude, yeah, he's dead. Wow. The dude convicted him was also at his appeal. At his appeal. And so then, obviously he wasn't going to let this guy reverse the whole case. Wow. The initial appeal alleging improper procedure and racism was heard by, again, the same judge who had convicted Baldwin and against whom some of the allegations of racism and misconduct were being made. Nonetheless, the trial's court decision held both state and federal courts, including the U.S. Supreme Court, denied relief in spite of the numerous and egregious allegations of rights violations. Brian Baldwin was executed after, after sitting in an electric chair for one hour. So uh, during the investigation in 1999, in an attempt to uh, recover case evidence uh, for DNA analysis, which was not available at the time of the trial, it was found that all evidence in the case was lost or destroyed at the Baldwin's execution. Wow. Yep. So these two were executed. This is the first story I've done where, um, for wrong, wrongfully convicted story where I've done where the... They the, were executed. They was they were executed. Yeah. And he he didn't do it. The guy comes out that was with him said that he didn't do it. Still killed both. And do an appeal. They had they got the same judge that convicted him. And then, then all the, white jury. And then at the and then at the post death, hey, we're just trying to clear his name as a sign of just this we messed up. Yeah. He was that he was the judge at that too. Yeah. Wow. And all the evidence was and everything was destroyed after he was he was already executed. That's it's that's crazy. Yeah. So it was like, get him out of here. We fucked up, yeah. oh, and we fucked up, and yeah. we need to just get rid of everything. get rid of everything. This is over with. Yeah. Wow. And that type of shit happens every day, man. Yeah. Um. Rest in peace to that gentleman. Let your cheek Yeah. This was, <clears throat> but this was in the nineties, right? Horsey was executed for first degree murder in nineteen ninety six. So it had to be. It had to be after. Had to be after. Yeah. So electric. But he was a, he was killed by electric. They chair. said he was killed by electric. Wow. I thought they were doing lethal injections by like the late nineties. Electric chair. Maybe not down south. Old Smokey, man. Um, <laughs> Old Smokey. Yeah, man. Uh, but this story is reminding me. Uh, we were, I was uh, messaged by a listener. I'm not. I'm gonna. I'm gonna not mention their name for anonymity's sake because they're kind of close to the to the case in a, in a way. But um, I was notified a couple weeks ago about this story out of Missouri about this guy named Kevin Strickland okay. who's currently on death row and is innocent apparently. Mm-hmm. I have not done my full research, so I, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, my bad. But f- from what the small research I have done is the general consensus is that this guy did not commit a crime. And the government, the governor of that state won't, um, what do they call it, give him a stay of execution or exonerate him. And his reasoning, and again. So what is a stay of execution? That means it's just, it's on just pause. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. A, a stay of execution typically is like we're going to pause this until we figure out what's yeah, going yeah, on. It's yeah. not like this is you're free. Right, it's right. just like there's something came up. We're just going to double check before yeah. we do that. Do, gotcha. do the kill. Um, and Kevin Strickland from what I'm seeing, but again, these are all like, you know, two minute Instagram videos posted by celebrities and stuff. I haven't done my own research thoroughly. I was about to say him. That's no, but the general consensus, consensus is that he's innocent. And the, the word is, I've not heard this or seen this from the governor's mouth. But they're saying that the governor's saying there's a long line of people who um, 
are, you know, need to have their cases looked at. And I don't want to have anybody jumping the line, even though everybody's saying, hey, man, but this guy's about to be executed and he's innocent. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, but there's a process and I don't want anybody. Yeah, but if his, if his death is, if, if, if his, he's on death row, mm-hmm. so he's going to be executed. Yeah. Oh but man! If, it's but just, if his date is way closer than anybody else's, I yeah, don't that's just that's just bullshit though. That's just bullshit, so that he doesn't have to do it. He yeah. can kick the can down the road. Just say that. To, well, no, of course he's a <laughs> he's a politician. He can't <laughs> say that. He has to say they don't. They're not. Hey, honest. I'm not I taking politicians this. Were honest. Oh no! Yeah, I mean, typically this guy must be like an uh, an abnormality. Mm. But so what he's saying, what basically what he's saying is, I don't want to come out on a stance either way because if he is innocent and he gets killed, I don't want to look like the guy that said he was guilty. And if he's guilty. And gets killed. I don't want to be the guy that let him out. Oh, okay, gotcha. So I'm gonna say, hey man, my hands are tied right now. We got to do the process. And then if he gets killed in that process, I can just say, you know, the timing was bad. Mm. And then my hands kind of stay as clean as possible. So we'll see what happens. Again, thank you to that listener who put that uh, information into my inbox. I will try to do more research to really try to understand what happened, but I, cause, but I don't really fully know the mm. details, so I don't want to take a stance either way. But again, Kevin Strickland, look him up. It's a story out of Missouri. Uh, I would love to hear people's thoughts if they look it up and, and, and get to the information before I do. I'd love to hear what people think about that situation. Rest in peace to Mr. Baldwin. What's his full name? Brian. Rest in peace to Mr. Brian, Brian Baldwin. Keith Baldwin. Brian Keith Baldwin. His friend seems to have confessed to being the killer. So, uh, you know, he. Dirty. He's still dirty. You know, so, but he took him down with him. You know, so that, that's super fucked up. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to get into these good vibes so that we can get out of here. Let's do this thing. Good, good, good. All right, welcome back. It's time for our beautiful good vibes, the good vibes segment. Um, my good vibe this week is about Thomas and Meeks, Meeks Griffin. And this is a, this is a bit of a uh, different time, type of good vibe uh, story. Okay. I found this by just, whenever I'm doing research on like different stories to do for uh, episodes, whatever, I come across some, some really interesting stories. Sure. So Thomas Griffin and Meeks Griffin were brothers and prominent black farmers who lived in Chester County, North South Carolina. They were executed via the electric chair. Okay. In <laughs> Did I finish, man? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. They were executed uh, via electric chair in 1915 for the murder of, uh, for the murder in 1913 of 75-year-old John Q. Lewis, who was a wealthy Confederate veteran of Blackstock, South Carolina. The Griffin brothers were convicted based on the acquisition, acquisitions of another black man, John Monk Stevenson who was known to be a small-time thief. Stevenson was found in possession of the victim's pistol and sentenced to life in prison in exchange for testifying against the brothers. All right. Stay with me. Stay with me. Okay. Two other African-Americans, Nelson Bryce and John Crosby, were executed with the brothers for the same crime. So four people. Four people. However, some in the community believe that the murder might have been the result of Lewis' suspected sexual relationship with 22-year-old Anna Davis. This guy's daughter. Davis and her husband were never tried, possibly for fear of, um, I don't know what this word is. The word is uh, when um, two races have intercourse. What is it? They have sex or something? Oh, race mixing? I don't know. The, uh, there's don't a know. word in it's there? A, it's a, a word. Uh, I mean, want me to try to read it? Yeah, please. Uh, mis, miscongenation? Miscegenation. 
miscegenation. Yeah, miscegenation. Miscegen it's mis miscegenation. Miscegenation. Yeah. Miscegenation. Yeah. Am I saying it right? The, miscegen the, the miscegenation of Lauren of Lauren Hill. Yeah. So it was the fear of mis miscegenation of a, for a miscegenation scandal. Got it. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah, what yeah. determines. Mm -hmm. So the Griffin brothers, who were believed to be the wealthiest blacks in the area, which is so dope, sold their 138-acre land farm to pay for their defense against the acquisitions. So they, lost, so they lost all of their money. They lost all their money. They were the and and a lot of people think this was a, uh, some type of um thing or whatever. They was like these white people were like, oh, we need to try to get take this land, and they don't need to be wealthy because they're mm. black. Let's get let's let's frame them so that we can take their so land. So we can take their land. Got it. This is really so awesome. Yes. Yeah, so let, let me. I'm not. <laughs> So over 100 people petitioned Governor Richard Manning to commute the brothers' sentence. The signatures included Blackstock's mayor, a sheriff, uh, two trial jurors, and a grand jury foreman. Now, nevertheless, they were sent to the electric chair. Thomas Griffin and Meese Griffin were pardoned in October of 2009 after radio host Tom Joyner sought the pardons of his great uncles from state appeals court in, oh, wow. in Columbia, South Carolina. So Joyner learned about his relationship to the Griffins through research conducted for the PBS documentary um, African American Lives 2 by Harvard scholar Henry Louis Gates Jr., who also traced 11 other relatives. Um, so there was just a documentary about this story. Like and finding your roots or about this story? About about this story and just and just like get finding your roots. Yeah, yeah. So Tom Joyner found out he was Tom related to his, he was Tom Joyner, your auntie's favorite radio station. Yeah, yeah. So I just thought it was cool. This came out. I was like, oh shit. Yeah. And it was like it was. I, I read the article. And it was just pictures of him. These uh, two great uncles that he found about that he found about randomly. Yeah, uh, and was like, I'm gonna hurt the them story, exonerated. and I'm gonna get them exonerated because they was wrongfully convicted. Wow, and I, that was dope. And he's trying to get their land back that was sold. I don't know how the hell he's gonna do that, but yeah, that's, that's uh, gonna be a that's gonna be a tall task. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But if I, anybody can do it, it's Tom Joyner, man. Yeah, I, he I, used to throw cruiser. He he owns a boat. Yeah, but I, fit, he probably didn't own it. But he yeah he does cruises. He used to do cruises all the time. He retired a few years back. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, but I just thought yeah. it was dope that he found out about this, and even it happened years ago. Yeah, over hundred years ago, he was like, nah, no, not my family, not my family. Yeah, yeah. So well, I, that's I, I awesome. Thought, I thought that was dope. Yeah, I that's thought, great. That was a great mini oh, story. That's super great, man. Yeah. That's an awesome story. Good vibe, man. Yeah, that's no, great. Good for Tom Joyner and finding his family roots and trying to change. It was, it was, it was a two and one. I gave you a good mini story that yeah. people don't know about. Yeah. And it was a good vibe at the end. Yeah, I like the twist of that. Yeah. My good vibe story is about a paralyzed man who used who used an exoskeleton suit so he can get down on one knee to propose in a heartwarming video. Mm. So uh, Josh Smith, who was paralyzed from the chest down after a swimming accident, oh, wow. met the love of his life during the pandemic. Josh Smith, this also, this article was written by Katie uh, Campione. Campione, maybe. Maybe that's how you say it. I don't know. Josh Smith wasn't going to let anything get in the way of him getting down on one knee to ask his girlfriend to become his wife. Smith was paralyzed from the chest down after, after a swimming accident in 2014, according to uh, what he told Good Morning America. Since he was 23, his, he's been a C6 quadriplegic unable to walk so c6 is one of the vertebrae in your spine i learned that from uh listening to and then watching dr death fantastic story uh podcast and tv show you learn about all kind of spinal injuries and things like that so he's a c6 quadriplegic uh after four months of rehabilitation he was able to return home in under a year he was able to drive work full-time participate in sports and even began inventing products to help individuals with motor impairment it was kind of just my own drive that really pushed me to get 
independent, and learn new things, Smith told Good Morning America. However, despite making strides in many areas of his life post-injury, he admitted, my life, my self-confidence kind of went down the drain a little bit. I didn't, I didn't really think about, I didn't really think anybody would want to date me, let alone marry me. That is until he met his, his now fiance, Grace Thompson, on a dating app last year. The pandemic played a huge role in how serious we became because we went on the perfect, the perfect amount of dates to where we both felt safe and comfortable not being in public anymore. Thompson, uh, who was 26 years old, told Good Morning America, we were pretty lucky in the timing of it all. So when Smith decided to pop the question, he knew he wanted to make it special. With the help of a physical therapist, he was able to figure out a way to get down on one knee for the moment. Uh... He said, uh, I had this huge idea and I didn't know if it was even possible because I didn't I did. I don't think I've ever seen anybody do it before. So I reached out to my therapist and told him that I wanted to try to get down on one knee to propose. And I was hoping that we could use the exoskeleton to help with. It. I didn't even know technology had gotten to this point. But I didn't. I mean, I got to see this. I haven't seen the video. So, I mean, exoskeleton, that's crazy. Uh, in a video for the special moment, Thompson asks, are you serious? As she walks into the deck to the sight of Smith on his knee. Dead serious, he responds. You are the most amazing thing in my life. I'm so glad that God brought you into my life. You are the most perfect person for me. And uh, not only was Smith able to propose on one knee, he was able he was also able to stand up and embrace his new fiance after she said, this must have blown her fucking mind, by yeah. the way. I mean, this, is, this is crazy. Because he can't move, though, right? He's a quadriplegic. I how mean, do you, how do you get, how do you move? The exoskeleton is like electronic, I guess. I don't know. I don't know if you, if there's buttons on the fingertips uh, or something. I mean, I don't, again, I didn't know this technology existed, so I can't give you a, a schematic of how hmm, it works, but yeah. it sounds pretty fucking amazing. He stood up. Uh, it was really cool that he was able to get down on one knee, Thompson said, but to see him stand up, I've never seen him stand before. So that was really great. And it was really, it was really strange too. like have him hug me standing up. I wish he could mm. do that more. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, no, that's beautiful. That was beautiful. Yeah, that, caught, that caught me off guard. Yeah. Uh, I probably wouldn't have, I wouldn't have put that line in the article, but, yeah. um, cause he can't, cause he can't do that more. I know. That's, I know what I'm saying. That's probably a bad idea, but you know. Yeah. Uh, what? Like, oh, now she, her seeing she that. experienced that. No, we're not like, going to go down that path, man. Right. That's, uh. That was I probably wouldn't have put that line in the article though. Okay, I wish he could do that more. I probably would have left it at like, oh, that was crazy to see that, and then yeah. ended it there. Beautiful well, she story. Said it. She, I'm sure she said that though. Oh, I know she said it. Yeah. I just wouldn't have put it in the. But article. But for me, I'd have been like, damn, that's true. I won't be. I can't do this all the time. Yeah, it's kind of like bittersweet. It's yeah. like a great moment, but then you got to go back to reality. Yeah, you know, and not to say that his reality isn't is isn't good or it's bad he may be walking in like a like the next five years I well i mean advances in science possibly yeah with just, exoskeleton I mean. yeah just don't let christopher dunch do your surgery um but uh shout out to josh smith and his lovely fiance i hope that they yeah. are they enjoy their life and 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 all of those beautiful things um yeah before we get out of here uh i wanted to uh address us something because friend i haven't been doing down by the creek okay um, life has been kind of hectic. I don't think that I owe people a full explanation, but I wanted to let people know that, uh, me and Sierra are in the process of breaking up. So, um, I don't really feel like getting into the details of all of that stuff, but I haven't been able to do down by the Creek cause shit has just been kind of hectic. Things have been moving quickly. 
<laughs> things have been uh, moving quick quickly uh you know but because we are moving so um i haven't you know this there's a lot of plates spinning but this is one plate that will never stop spinning for me yeah. affirmative murder always is a priority i'll never stop doing affirmative murder but some stuff has to fall by the wayside when things are changing quickly yeah so i haven't really been able to do down by the creek and i also didn't want my last thing on down by the creek to be something like hey guys i won't be doing this anymore for a while so as opposed to that i wanted to keep the last thing on there to be like a fun the last episode that's a fun thing and hopefully you know when uh things get situated better uh i can pick that up but for now down by the creek for those who listen to down by the creek and this down by the creek is on a small hiatus until everything gets situated mm-hmm. me and sierra are still in a good place she's still like the number one fan of this podcast a lot of love between the two of us we just yeah. you know just stuff didn't work out so um but i think that change is really good i think that with the perfect amount of change you can buy a new perspective yeah right so um that's how i'm looking at it but in the meantime that's why the patreon stuff is a little bit uh finicky because there's moving parts happening like we're trying to get situated somewhere else and everything like that so in the meantime stuff's gonna be a little inconsistent but once 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 roots are planted oh man i plan on you know, all kind of video, audio, everything yeah. up to the next level being super awesome. So again, thank you guys for the support. Um, you guys are so awesome. Fran, thank you for the support. Yeah, um, man, I'm getting kind of emotional because um, we don't have any more. We don't have a lot of episodes left in this room. No, no. They, yeah, they're coming. They're, this, they're coming to an end. Yeah, the, the, the pod. It's where it started, is, man. Yes, yeah, where it started, man. The pod yeah. loft, the pod loft is coming to an end. Um, the, the We are not recording this episode because I took the pictures down. I still have the pictures. Who's that? That's Sam Smith. I know it is, but I'm wearing my picture. <laughs> it's in a box. <laughs> Looking, it's in a box for the new location, man. But um, uh, yeah, no, I just wanted to give some perspective because yeah. I've been getting some messages from people, and it sucks. You know, you do these, you do these podcasts, and you make these little communities and stuff. And so I didn't want to just abandon that and never say anything. So I just wanted to let yeah. people know that's why there have been no mini sods of that podcast. But like I said, nothing changes here. This is like my, this is, I don't have a child, but this is my child, you know, like the yeah, yeah, affirmative yeah. murder is my child. Yeah, so man. this will never be a hiatus when we'll figure this out. We're going to, we're going to through, through the chaos that's happening, we'll still be doing podcasts and has been happening to, to be fully transparent. I've been coming in here. I feel like I've been, had several flu games where I might've, people don't even know shit it was some rough times, but came on here and did what we had yeah, to do, man. you know? So, um, but the, Rough times are past, so it's only it's just formalities at this point. So, like I said, we will continue to go through the difficulties of like moving. That's now the the only difficulty left is like yeah. I don't have to help you, do I? Um, if you did, I hate moving. I <laughs> you're not you're not <laughs> you are not. <laughs> I am. <laughs> I, I'm just saying though. I, I I get a phone call like, hey man, I need you to help me. Yeah, move. man, I might need you to bring the charger through, throw a couple Dang. boxes in the back, man. Damn, right, can man. you hold me down? I got you, man. Oh, I man. just I don't want no pizza though. <laughs> you want me to pay you money? That's the that's the friend payment. Uh, that's the universal friend uh, currency is pizza, man. I would not accept. You get some garlic sauce, get you some want, Papa John's, get you no some pizza, racist man. Papa John's no. with garlic sauce. No. What about garlic pizza and the garlic knots no. too? No, we can go like get some Chipotle or something. You would rather have Chipotle than a box of pizza? Yes. I, I got want, you, man. I don't Whatever want no you pizza, need. man. All right, oh, we'll get you. All right, man. Nobody, don't say it to <laughs> me like, I, like I've been punishing you with pizza, bro. I thought <laughs> no, I was because it's, it's like the universal gift you get when you help somebody move to get pizza. I don't want fucking pizza, man. All right, get you some Chipotle. I go pizza my own time. I don't need you to buy Chipotle. I need you. To buy me pizza. 
I just want to say thank you, but I don't want to give you money. That's what it is. What? I don't want to put money in your pocket, but I want to say thank you. Why so not? pizza. What's the difference? Putting money in your pocket? Well, yeah. You don't pay a friend. All right. You paying <laughs> me with pizza. What's no, the difference? No. Uh, me and my friend, after a long day of labor, are enjoying some pizza together. I don't just give you the pizza. I'm like, all right, man, here you go. Here's a box of pizza. Go home. Enjoy your day. Eat this pizza with your family. We sit down and we we plug in the TV that you helped me get in, get in the house and yeah. we watch TV on the, on uh, the floor, on the floor yeah. with the pizza. That's that's our future soon. <laughs> oh, no fucking pizza. <laughs> I'm gonna walk out. I'll move all that shit back outside. <laughs> you come in with some fucking pizza. All right, I'll get you. We'll get some Chinese food or something like that. Something different. All right, okay? there you go. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, in the meantime, uh, I've been Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans, and we'll see you guys next week. Deuces. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.